Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm HRN's Communication Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're exploring the future of eating animals, and we're going beyond typical meat sources. If you look at the length of human history, we've been eating insects a lot longer than we haven't been in the United States and Western Europe. We're looking at unusual ways to purchase meat. People are like, really? Why would I want to buy that out of machine? And we introduce you to Frank Reese, a poultry farmer whose traditional farming methods are featured in a new documentary. I'm a fourth-generation farmer in Kansas, and I focus basically all on standard-bred poultry and have my whole life. He's kind of the last one standing with these rarefied breeds that are so important for if we're going to eat chicken and turkey into the future. He's essential. He's a national treasure. Listen to Meat and 3 this week to better understand the history and the future of meat. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Why Food. Uh, Jenny is away this week, so I will be your your lone co-host, Ethan Frisch, but I'm joined by an amazing group of people in the studio today, and they're all looking at me nervously, but it's going to go <laughs> great, and we have nothing to worry about. Um, we're here with a group of people from the Sylvia Center, Raquel Hakez-Sharp, who's the Community and Partnerships Manager, and then two students... Halima Morega, who's 17, and Isitu Sohona, who is also 17. Thanks for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having um, us. Raquel, do you want to kick us off with a little background on the Sylvia Center, what it is you do? Sure. So the Sylvia Center is a New York-based nonprofit that works with young people to develop their cooking skills and uh, personal development. So we provide teens and young people with classes in community centers throughout New York City where they learn basic knife skills, they learn to work with new flavors and ingredients um, to enhance their their health, their personal health, as well as their uh, development as a, as a young person. Cool. And, and uh, Isitu and Halima, you're both students who've gone through this program, is that right? Yes, yeah. twice. Oh, yeah. Twice? Yeah. <laughs> Did you learn different things the second time? Um, yeah, um, they taught us more how to, like, with nice skills, like, oh, um, you have to, like, use the bear claw and the tunnel. They taught us... Um, the bear claw and the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they taught us more vegetables, like, in the name of it. We use, like, um, we use more vegetables, so, yeah. Yeah. Than last year. We also learned, like, mise en place. Like, everything's in place, basically. Like, you got to make sure you know where to put certain things and how to group your food mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, not food, but, like, the stuff you're using. The ingredients. Yeah, the ingredients, basically. Yeah. So you won't make much of a mess and, like, make sure everything's together yeah. in place. So usually on the podcast, we talk about people who've, who are, are at some point in the middle or, or at some point in their careers, adults who have, who have done one thing and then made a decision to change their careers to work in food, have, have worked in uh, media or worked in music and have, have become food professionals as a decision later in life. You're mm-hmm. both 17, so there's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you haven't had careers yet and <laughs> have no. not had a lot of um, ex- uh, experience prior to food. But I think the, the decisions that you've made are really interesting to, mm-hmm. to work with the Sylvia Center and be involved and, and maybe even pursue careers in food in the future. So um, let's start with Raquel. And Raquel can tell us a little bit about her, her personal history and journey and career into food. And then, then we'll we'll talk to the two of you, and, and you can tell us about your your experiences as well. Uh, so Raquel, um, yeah, tell us how did you how did you get into food? How did you decide to, to do this as a career, and and what what aspects of your personal and professional history have led you to this point? Yeah. So truth be told, I've always been interested in food. I think I'm a little bit different than your past guests in that way only because I grew up in Bakersfield, California, which is a very rural part of Bakers- of uh, the state of California in Kern County. Um, so growing up, I could see firsthand the food disparities, whether it was access or education about um, healthy food uh, firsthand. And I think I took those questions with me to college and, um, and 
because I was in the environment of Berkeley, California, I was exposed to many different kinds of ingredients and um, people that were working in every layer of the food system. So how, how are the food, how, how, what did you see as a kid and, and how is that different from what you experienced when you left Bakersfield in the way that food was uh, talked about or, or cooked or eaten? Sure. I mean, uh, Kern County itself has one of the, um, it's, it's, major in agricultural production. The two main industries there are oil and ag. So a lot of money is in food as well as um, there's larger immigrant populations working in the fields, um, my family included. And so with that, you see this kind of separation between those who are picking and growing the food and those who have access to buy it um, on the other side of that in the stores. So I think at a young age I could see that and I was um, absorbing that, but I don't think that I understood how to articulate any sort of solution at all to that. Um, and it wasn't until I started working in public education, in schools and in community centers um, that I was really able to understand that a great entry point was working with young people to help them articulate what is happening in their food system and the ways in which they can um, be advocates for healthier communities. And uh, Halima, you, you also had a, a realization, right, as a, as a younger person, um, the ways that you ate, you used to eat and the ways that you eat now or the ways that you used to cook and the ways you cook now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so like... That realization? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so like when I was younger, like around my, like when I was in middle school, I used to be around 160, 170 pounds, like, in between. So, like, you imagine, like, you imagine, like, a girl like me, like, like you imagine, like, a little a little person that looking like a little bowling ball, like, <laughs> like walking around. Like, it's not, I'm not, like, I was not too big, but I wasn't, like, as skinny as I want to be. So, like, it was hard for me, like, especially I was eating everything that I see like it was like oh I want that I want that like I want everything that I see so like it was really hard for me to like um like it was really hard for me to see like that I'm supposed to eat right especially at this age because I'm a growing person so like it took me until like eighth grade to like look in the mirror and realize like oh my god you're really you're really big like you're 170 pounds as a 14 year old, like you need to change your eating habits. So like, that's when I started, um, first I started doing sports and um, like, it was like, I started volleyball, but then that's when, when I started basketball, that's when it truly helped me like losing weight. And I lost like about 40 pounds, including cutting my eating habits and starting watching what I eat. Like I used to eat McDonald's like every day around that time, and then as how, when, how did you know what to do? How did you know that you needed to eat differently? That how did you know what what new foods to eat uh, when you when you came to that realization? It's like if you see food that you never eat, like you're like maybe that's what I was supposed to eat. Cause like if you know you have a hesitation eating something that you know that's like healthy, that's how you know that you know it's good for you, but you're afraid that you might change some type of way because it's something new that you're not used to. Especially being around the certain area that I'm in. Like Which area is that? Like, I'm around Bronx. So, like, I live around Mount Eaton. Mount, Mount Eaton. Mount Eaton. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so, like, it was, like, we barely got supermarkets. I think you could say, like, one, like, two or three. Like, now we're getting more supermarkets. But before, we only had, like, one around there. So, like, it was really hard to, like, um to find healthy food to eat or find something that I know is good for my system and my body at a young age, yeah. And Isitu, what about you? When, what was your realization or, or have you always eaten healthy? When did, you, when did you realize that the food that you had been eating as a kid might not have been as healthy as it should have been? Okay, um, so I know, okay, I always haven't been eating healthy because I used to drink soda like every single day or juice every single day. But then once I entered the Soviet Center, it's like, oh, maybe the reason why I'm tired is because I drink all this caffeine. So I started drinking water, and then every single day, like, I drink water, water, water. So I was like, oh, maybe this is better for me because after that, like, I had more energy. I wouldn't been tired. I wasn't, like, always tired or, like, stuffy or full. And um, the reason, like, okay, a time when I 
the reason why I started eating healthy was because, the, okay, I'm entering senior year and um, I want a certain type of body. So, like as of right now, I'm I try eating healthy. I'm I am eat, currently trying to eat healthy. Like I drink water. I don't eat as much of rice as like I used to eat before. I cut down on certain type of food. I started eating fruits and vegetables. I started like trying new things. Um, yeah, trying new things. And you both grew up eating a lot of West African foods at home, right? Yeah. Tell yeah. Us, tell us about some of the things that that you eat with your family. It's like what are your family's specialty dishes? What do you what do you have for dinner on a either either on a regular night or or on a special occasion? All right. So like I'm from Senegal and Mauritania. So like. And but like we mostly eat like Senegalese food. So like what we eat is chep, like we call it chep gen, aka like wajala rice. It's mixed with like yeah, there's like vegetables in it, but there's mostly fish or meat. So it's it. like a tell us about the dish. So for if somebody doesn't know what jollof rice is, all right. What, so what if it? you don't know what jollof rice is, then you're missing out. Like, you're missing, <laughs> yeah, you're really missing out because it's like my favorite food. But like unfortunately, but like it's basically rice that's like used. They use red oil to change the color of the rice, but like. The red oil also brings like the season, like the flavor in it. If you search it up on Google, you will see like it's like rice and then there's like fish on it. But there's um different vegetables like there's like cabbage, there's um eggplant, potatoes. there's potatoes. Like there's different stuff in it. Like but you, it's option for you because you can have only um rice and fish or you can have rice and vegetables. Like it it depends on the person. But like what we cook in my house, like we put everything. So like and it's, it takes time to make it too. But, like, on that, like, we put a lot of seasoning. So, like, it's hard, like, to, like, try to cut down on that. Like, although we don't eat it a lot, but, like, it's, like, you know what we put in this, right? Because we put, like, the cubes, like, of seasoning on it. Like, we put a whole one. The like Maggie cubes. Yeah, yeah, the Maggie cubes. Or we put, like, something called aja. Like, it's, like, the same thing, but it's crushed up and it's in the bag. And then we put, like, sasson from, like, Goya. Like, we put everything in it. So, like, it's, like, oh, um... Like, when you tell your mom, mom, and then you add salt and pepper, like, that makes everything worse. Like, because you, you're not measuring it. You're putting, like, a little bit more than you need to. And then you're like, mom, I don't need to. I don't think that's a good idea. She's like, get out of here. This this is how we eat. You know how we eat. Like, and then you like, I'm trying to eat healthy. She's like, you're good enough. Like, you, you look fine. But, like, I know I'm not internally fine. Like, yeah. Um, some of the... Like dishes that we cook are peanut butter, peanut butter soup, which has seasoning, um, jollof rice seasoning, um, cab, um, spinach, so like a spinach, <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's like spinach um, soup, not soup, but something like that. It has seasoning. Like they all have seasoning, like a lot of seasoning. Like we, we eye the seasoning. We don't measure it and um, just like throw into the pot. We have to actually put a lot of seasoning and if it, if it tastes like it has a lot of seasoning then we still add a little bit more just for um like a, a little chance but it's like what we do like we add like a lot of seasoning and we're not supposed to do that because it causes health problems stuff like that so that's why yeah and how how has your family responded when you've made suggestions or tried to change some of those recipes um, they say, oh, I think this is fine. Like, I, I don't think we need to cut down. Like, something didn't happen yet. Or, but it's like, oh, we're waiting for something to happen when, you're like, you should just, like, start from now. Like, just, oh, maybe if I reduce it, I might have, like, a better chance of not having high blood pressure. My mom, like, she has high blood pressure and stuff like that. But we try to cut now. As of right now, we try to cut down on the seasoning. But it's, it's like, maybe a little too late because... It's like we're still in the risk of it having it. Yeah, and then although they be like, oh, I'm scared for my high blood pressure. They think I scream like kids is the reason why they have the high blood pressure. But like, <laughs> it's other things. So. <laughs> like it's like oh, and other things. So like, but like it's like also the way we eat. Like it's just like we have to control that first. Like, and they be like, nothing's happening to me right now. But we always mm-hmm. say that. So why why we wait till like as she said, like I said, why would we wait till something happens if we could just not let it happen at all? Because we see other people like happening to other people like type 2 di- diabetes or having like a certain type of cancer or like like different diseases or disorders and then like I don't want that happening to me when I grow up I actually want to live life when I'm old like there's people that actually like is walking healthy and everything and like they're like they're walking having fun being adventurous I want to be that old person that's having fun <laughs> I don't want to sit down and be like I'm sick like no it can be so hard to approach your family about 
you know, adapting traditional recipes and there's so much emotional attachment to food that we all have. Um, And so I think something that is really important that the Sylvia Center does is teaching young people about the cooking skills to be able to bring um, either adaptations or new recipes that you might not think to try. Um, For the two of you, is there anything that, you know, you've cooked at home that might sound a little crazy, but you brought it home and, and had your family try it? The girl first. Um, okay. I ha- it's not cooking, it's just um, whisking. Like, mm. I made um, the whipped cream with peaches, and it was healthy. It was healthier because um, I didn't use as much sugar as you will use, and I made the whipped cream from scratch, too. So it's like I used you whip, the... You whipped the whipped cream <laughs> yeah. by yourself in a bowl? Yeah. And it took 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of whispering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, um, like you take the heavy cream, you whisk it until you see bubbles. But if you over whisk it, then it turns to butter. So you have to like watch where, you have to like watch where you're going. So um, I made the whipped cream, and then I add a little bit of confetti sugar, and then I just add the um, fresh peaches, which is, like it's like healthy because it's fresh and fresh, like American from scratch, except for the peaches. But yeah, I just <laughs> added the <laughs> yeah, I just added the peaches, gave it to my family, like the little kids, like they liked it. They were like, oh my gosh, like what is this? Is this ice cream? I was like, no, it's um, whipped cream and peaches. And my parents liked it too. So I was like, oh wow, maybe I can make them eat healthy or stuff like that. Yeah, I also made the um, the whipped cream in my house, and like I didn't use peaches, but I use like different types of berries, and like I use like apples, bananas, um, strawberries, and I think was it blueberries? It was, it was like different. Like I added like three or four fruits, so like you know it was like mostly fruits than the yogurt itself, because I didn't want them to like only eat something like because it tastes sugary like you want them to eat healthy so like my brother was like oh this is good you make sure you make a big cup for me like he kept asking for seconds and thirds and he thought it was more but then it was like they liked it and then it was like all right now you can make this but can you still make the authentic food that we make in the house it's like that's not the whole point like well, I'm, so have like, you have you found ways to adapt some of those authentic or, or traditional family recipes to make them Healthier now that you've learned a little bit more about not healthy yet. <laughs> like it's hard. Like it's really hard. Like it's like telling them. It's like telling them to. It's like as if you're telling them to cut their hair. Like not everybody's like gonna be willing to ch- cut their hair. Like the same thing with food. Not everybody's gonna be willing to change their food habits. So like it's like telling them, you should eat healthy. They're gonna be like, what I look like to you. I'm not. I'm not like this. Like it's like, I'm not like that. I'm not like this. I'm like that's not the point you eat you need to eat healthy so like and i also gave them some of the zucchini muffin well i ate most of it but yeah i gave some <laughs> of them and then they actually liked it because it didn't taste like a zucchini it tasted like an actual dessert but it's not distri- dessert it's not dessert right? so you, do you think that the trick is to just be sneaky about eating healthier <laughs> yeah yeah just you like them. make healthy food yeah, taste you better got, yeah you gotta and make it look like junk food like yeah you just gotta make it look like junk food and they'll be like ooh what's that and they'll eat it but it's easier to convince little kids because my nephew likes to eat everything so it's easier to give him something healthy and him actually liking it rather than my like my 20 something year old sister yeah Yeah. what are some of the other recipes that you've made uh, that you learned at the Sylvia Center that you then made for your families or, or brought home or, or just some of the recipes that you've learned at the Sylvia Center in general that really stand out to you? Um, one that really stand out to me was the breakfast bur- um, breakfast burrito with the berry smoothie. Like, okay, it had like a lot of combinations of it was it wasn't really um, it was a protein. Like Halima is also nodding her head. She's, <laughs> she agrees. Yeah, it was um, it was mostly a pro- like a protein snack. Like it had beans, it had some um, red peppers, it had egg and a tortilla onions and it tasted really good it was like surprising because like it's like a, a combination of vegetables and it's like oh like should I really eat this because it's like vegetables and you have like you have a, a certain belief of vegetables like oh maybe it doesn't taste good like broccoli like still to this day I wouldn't really eat it because it's, it's just broccoli like, I don't find it like attracting yeah I can't eat it like that I have to eat Chinese food with it I'm sorry like me and Chinese food yeah I'll be like yeah I'll eat the broccoli because of the sauce that they put but like other than that eating broccoli like that I'll pass. I tried to, but it's not like... Just raw broccoli, either yeah. like an apple or something. That's not... But the breakfast burrito, it was like really interesting because it tasted really good. And I, like I wanted seconds, I wanted thirds. And it was like really satisfying. And it makes you full. It's like eating one, um, one whole snack. It's like, oh, 
Like maybe I should just make this at home. I, I could just eat one every morning, and I'll be full. Like I'll be fine, and I have like a good day to start with off with. Yeah. One thing I liked from cooking with the Sylvia Center is the whole wheat pancakes. That oh my gosh, like yeah, yeah, like the whole wheat. Cause I like I like pancakes already. The waffles is better, but like I like pancakes already. So like it was like you could actually make whole wheat like healthy pancakes, like whole wheat pancakes, like. So like, and the kids like the itself, especially with jam. Like you could substitute syrup with jam, and it actually tastes better than syrup. Mm. Like, unfortunately for my syrup lovers, like jam is <laughs> like strawberry jam is better than syrup. Like if you actually eat it, it's like it's not even as if it doesn't even feel like you're eating pancakes. It's like you feel like you're eating like a little. I don't even describe it like, like a, a cake brownie. Yeah, like a little cake, like but like a cake without frosting. So like it tastes really good. And another thing I liked. Oh, sorry. Another thing I liked, I liked a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Raquel, what are some of the, uh, or tell us about the recipe development process. How do you come up with whole wheat pancake recipes or zucchini muffins? What's, what are the goals and, and what's the process to? Yeah, the goals of the program are really to help the teens develop their cooking skills, both um, with the knife as well as, you know, sauteing, roasting, the fundamentals there. And we have trained community chefs who are from the neighborhoods and boroughs in which they work. So the idea is that they are getting the recipes locally, whether it's from a large-scale grocery store or the nearest bodega or farmer's market. And they're creating things that, are, um, that speak to what our teens like to make, what's delicious, as you heard, um, but also things that are practical and useful. So if you can make a quick breakfast burrito for yourself before school, that's a lot better than grabbing a donut on the corner or whatever. So um, each community chef takes that role seriously um, in order to make the most of the program. And after eight weeks of training, these two young ladies included um, will teach younger kids in community centers. So they not only have to master the skills, but they also have to work on their uh, education, you know, ed- sort of educator hat. And how are you going to wrangle 20 young little kids um, in a kitchen classroom? And how are you going to convince them that the whole wheat pancakes are just as good? Yeah, and these are kids with knives? Are you <laughs> are you teaching them knife skills and, and yeah. other potentially dangerous yeah. uh, things to, to do in the kitchen? But butter knives, so everything's that flexible. So yeah. what are uh, what were the skills that were the hardest for you to learn? Issa, do you want to start? Um, okay, at first, I wasn't really good with my knife skills because... Like I, I did not say oh properly hold a knife and chop because I just like sometimes um, when I was like before I used to take okra, um, okra and take the knife and just like chop it with my hands instead of just like actually put it on a cutting board and chopping it on the table or cutting um cutting it on a um on a cutting board or whatever. But now like I know oh oh use the tunnel um use the bear claw when the object is like unstable. The bear claw is like the the way that you hold your hand to yeah. keep your fingers from getting cut when you're slicing. Yeah, like if the ob- like if the object doesn't have, doesn't have like a solid base, you like you take it and you um like cut it in half and then you then it has like a, a flat base and it's like more stable. Um like before I wasn't good at like I didn't know how to um cut right, but now like I know how to do it better because even though. Like, I still have, like, a, like a hard time chopping sometimes, but, like, it helped me um, better. Like, I know more now. Mm, one thing that I learned that I had very... Yeah, it's the same thing, like, cutting skills. Because, like, my cutting skills, like, I cut everything with my hand. Because that's how I learned in my house and in Africa with my sister. She, like, they used to... They, like, when I try to cut, I, like, now I'm so used to cutting with the cutting board. Like, yeah. when I cut with the cutting board, my mom's like, what you doing? We don't got time for this. Like, use your hand. So, like... It's like, oh, but you're so used to um, a certain skill now. Like, you you start to know, like, what to properly do. Because I, and, like, before when I used to use my hand, I, at some point I even cut my fingertips off one time. Like, I was like, so now that I learned this, I know that I don't, I have a less of a chance cutting myself. Like, like it's a good thing. Yeah, and I think I, yeah, I also learned sauteing. Because I didn't know, like, when to properly, like, stop um, or, like, sauteing a certain thing, like onion and stuff. But, like, now I actually do because, like, you know how it's supposed to look like. And you know when it's tender. And, and what are you most uh, looking forward to in teaching those skills to, to younger kids this summer? 
Um, I think it's like the overall message of you, like, um, if they, uh, the cooks could come home and like um, take the message as like, oh, I'm teaching you how to be how to eat healthy, so like just teach your family how to eat healthy too. It's like a it's a good thing because last summer in the summertime, um, one of the kids he came up to me and he's like, oh, can I get the recipe for this? And I was like, wow, like you really want to eat healthy at home? And then he took it and then he made it with his with his family at home. It's like, oh my gosh, like. They made it at home. They like it. So it's like, oh, I, I could just keep on going on, going on, going on. Until, like, every kid is, like, really healthy. Yeah, same thing with me and my son. Like, kids was like, can I take this home? Can I take this to my sister? Can I take this? Hey, and then, like, like now, like, ever since teaching them, like, they used to see me every day. And they used to hug me. And they were like, I can't wait for cook shop. I can't wait for this. It's like, wow, you actually like this this food. Like, I used to be like... Like, I used to be like, I can't wait for the summer to get over with. Like, I'm just here to just help you out. But, like, I just seen the kids smile and everything. Like, it was like, oh, you actually like eating healthy. So I should do the same, like, with my sisters and stuff. That's yeah. great. All right, we're going to take a quick break uh, with a, a word from some of our sponsors. And we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Yeah. what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy saltwater? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass, long chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from. Experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm Souther Teague of Amoria Margo and co-host of The Speakeasy right here on Heritage Radio Network. You know, my favorite thing to do every week is to come here and be on the show. I have lots of jobs, I'm a very busy person, um, and I do this because I love it. I get to sit down and talk to all my heroes for about an hour every week. It's incredible, and I hope that you enjoy it, making a great effort to share with you. We'd like you to share back with us. It's our summer fundraiser, and we'd love for you to donate uh, at heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate. You can click on the beating heart, and you can even choose shows that you'd like to donate to specifically. And you can also choose a recurring monthly uh, gift. Uh, and for all that, we'd be greatly appreciative. Thank you so much. And we're back. Uh, you're listening to Why Food, a podcast about entrepreneurs, innovators, and career changers from other industries into food. But today, we're doing things a little bit differently. First of all, Jenny, my, my co-host, is having fun in France, and so I'm, I'm here <laughs> on my own hosting the show. But I, I have uh, some really great guests. Um, I also wanted to remind all of our listeners that our summer fund drive is going on now through the end of July, and we're hoping to raise about $25,000. So um, if you visit our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and, uh, and donate, you help support our show and, and other shows like this. Um, so we're here with a, a group of people from the Sylvia Center. Uh, Raquel, do you want to start us off with, um, or bring us back in, I guess, with a little bit about your career, how after growing up in Bakersfield and, and going to college at Berkeley, realizing you wanted to work in food, why was this, why was the Sylvia Center, why was healthy food education the thing that you wanted to, to do with your career? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, working in a school, working in education as well, or more broadly, as well as like community centers and nonprofits, you really see that people, um, is really where you can make a difference. I think in a city as large as New York, we often um, are rallying around policies and um, larger scale things, and it can it can seem a little bit daunting to tackle all of those issues at once on that level. And for me, I just I really think that young people, especially, are the because they're our future, because they are the the change makers. And like Halima and Isatu were mentioning. They can influence both older folks and younger folks. They have that 
that balance. And um, so it's really people that I think can make the difference. And while we, while I believe in advocacy and policy and all of those things, I think that when we invest directly in our communities, it's where we can make the biggest difference. And uh, have you, Isitun Halima, have you felt like you have this power to influence older people and younger people? How does that translate in your, in the conversations that you're having? Well, I feel like we have more influence than in younger people than older people. Yeah. Like, cause <laughs> a little yeah. easier to change. They're, yeah, they're easy to change because, like, you'll know it'll have an impact on them in the future because we're the, well, like, us as minorities, we're the ones that are changing the future. So, like, if you tell them now, it's better to tell them sooner rather than later because if you tell them they'll, they'll later, they're like, what am I supposed to do? I already, like, I don't got time for this. Like, it's so, like, you know, teens have a lot of time. Kids have a lot of time. So it's like, oh, telling them, it's time for you to change the way you eat. It's time for you to advocate for healthier food in your in your community. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing sitting down there eating McDonald's? Like, change. So, like, so like to sit here, like, to sit here at me as a minority, as to tell people, like, to change. Like, I actually like that. Like, that I can actually influence people that are younger than me right than people that are older than me because they're not the one that's changing the future i am and the people around me are there are also a whole bunch of people listening to this conversation right now so maybe there's a a potential to change guys if you don't have any supermarkets around you you better advocate for it go to mayor bloomberg or something ask (laughs) just ask um, I argue for Nima too because I feel like it's easier to change a ch- uh, like a young child than rather than a teen um, uh, adult because a young child like if you um, tell them like oh like if you try to make it as like a rule then like it's um, it's like standardized so it's like oh I, like I rather take the healthy food than take the unhealthy food and then also for adults it's like they have like a a, a certain traditional um, view of it or like a regular rule of it so it's like oh. Um, like I learned this all my whole life and you won't tell me now like just to change it's like oh like why like um, t- give me a real fact and then I'll change if not then it's like oh um, even with the real facts like, like it doesn't always help because they know that oh if they eat a lot of oil like they could get a certain type of um, disease but they're gonna be like oh no like I don't care like unless it happens to me then I will change but if that if not then it's like oh I'll still continue going on and on and on yeah it's like talking to a brick wall like <laughs> yeah. like like like, it's experience with my parents. Like, I'll try to tell them something, but, like, I think that's all parents in general, though. You'll try to tell parents something, but they would be like, parents are always right mm-hmm. until until they realize the child that right for the first time. So, like, telling an adult in general, like, oh, yeah, um, it's time for you guys to change the way you eat. It's not good, especially getting old, as, as you're getting older. They're going to be like, no, what you talking about? You're too young. Like, you, you don't know what you're talking about. But like you, like I know what I'm talking about because I did the research and I have experience. Yeah. Like, it's good to like actually tell the young people than the older. And this is one of the really challenging dynamics to to figure out, right? Like, the the conflict between tradition, traditional foods, traditional um, flavor preferences, ingredients, which sometimes are not the most healthy, whether yeah. it's palm oil in the jollof rice mm-hmm. or 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 other things. Uh, versus newer understandings of what it means for food to be healthy, newer f- flavor preferences, ingredients that you like that your parents might not. So how do you, how do, how do each of you have those conversations with your family to say, like, yes, I appreciate and respect the traditional foods, but then I also want to change a little bit about the way that I eat and the way that we eat as a family. How do you, how do you navigate that, that uh, complex uh, situation? Okay, um, when I used to work sometimes, like, we would, we would have, like, a lot of extra olive oil and stuff like that. So then I would bring it, um, I would bring it home, and then I would be like, Ma, oh, look, look at this. Um, you could, instead of using um, corn oil or salad oil for um, to, um, for the jollof rice, oh, Ma, just, like, use the olive oil. So then one day, like, she made the olive oil one, and then we ate it. But she like, oh, um, it tastes weird. So maybe I, I could just, like, stay back to the corn oil. I was like, Ma, just, like, continue trying on it. Like, once you adapt to it, it's like, oh, it's, like, better for you. And stuff like that, especially with the seasoning, like um, I'll try like, to cut back on it, like oh, just like use a little bit of um, this and use a little bit of that, because the one that we have, um, we have accent. Accent has like MSG, which is like bad for you, because I think it activates some type, it activates something in your brain, which is not good for you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I was like, my um, okay, just like cut back on um accent or use a little bit of it, and like, until like we go back to like until we go to zero, like. I tell all just like use little of this, little of that, little of that, and so on. 
I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, I yeah, it's a complicated know. question, yeah. I guess. Like, what's the, how do you navigate the conflict between tradition and, and health in, like, in these conversations with your families? Yeah, so, like, basically, like, I know, like, knowing my family, like, is full of hard-headed people. So like, <laughs> so, like, it's going to be hard to tell them, oh, yeah, let's try this, let's try that. Like, I'm like, no, because especially since we're so used to eating, like, sharing a whole bowl of food, like, and these are the type of food that you don't share in a bowl. So, like, it's, like, it's going to be hard for that. And then it's going to be also hard for, like, um, telling them, yeah, let's eat healthy. So, like, what I usually do, that like, it's kind of, like, to be petty. But at the same time, it's trying to show them, like, I'm really trying to be eating healthy. It's, like, especially, like, doing the Soviet Center throughout the year, I actually, like, eat. Like, because we did it after school. So we did it around, around dinner time. I'm already eating from Sylvia Center. So, like, I'll eat. And then after I get home, my mom's like, um, come eat, come eat, come eat. I'm like, oh, I'm full. Like, I already ate. She's like, where you ate at? I'm like, I ate at Sylvia Center. She's like, you in this damn cooking program. You can never eat. Like, excuse my language, by the way. But, like, yeah. She's like, you in this cooking program. You you never eat at home. But it's like, I'd rather feel full and feel light and full and healthy better than eating something that's gonna make me feel like although my eating habits is not where I'm supposed to be at but like I'd rather feel healthy and full and light rather than feeling just full yeah. and feel like weight on me and going straight going straight to sleep and that's another uh, tricky question right the definition of healthy food that's something that changes a lot generation to generation it has to do with new scientific discoveries it has to do with with pretty um, subjective understandings of, of what's good for you and, and bad for you um, what when each of you when you think of healthy food, what do you think of, or how would you define Isidu, How would you define healthy food? Um, before when I was young, I thought oh, like eating healthy is like no salt, no pepper, um, just like all greens. But then as I grew up, I was like, oh, it's just not that. Like you can eat salad all day long, but if you put the dressing in it, it's like it's not healthy because you um you put a lot of dressing in which has like salts um which is like salt sodium um and oils and stuff like that which is not good for you like too much of it's not good for you, but I define healthy as like if you like okay if you could eat ten foods and ten pieces like if we if we eat the ten foods it's like oh it's not gonna kill you but if we eat the ten pieces it's like oh damn like you have a um you might have like a risk of having a disease or something like that. And also, I've defined healthy as, um, like, it has more proteins than sodium, um, than salt. It has less salt. It has minerals. It has vitamin, vitamins, like, um, A, whatever. Like, just all vitamins instead of having, like, oils, um, a lot of calories and stuff like that. Um, what I define as healthy food is, like, something that you know that you feel the glow in you. Something that makes you feel, like, happy. Because, like, like eating... Like, eating, like, something, like, like let's say if you eat, like, I don't know how to describe it. If I eat, like, a zucchini muffin versus an apple pie from McDonald's, like, I'll actually, pre- like, I think now I actually prefer the zucchini muffin over the apple pie now. Because I actually like the zucchini muffin. So, like, because it makes me feel the glow. It makes me feel happy. So, like, I feel like what's something that, what I define as healthy food is something that makes you feel light. I lay on your feet, make you feel happy, make you feel good in yourself. But and as unhealthy food is like something that you know it makes you feel like full. It just lets you go throughout the day, but you know you'll still feel tired because of all the healthy stuff, unhealthy stuff you bring in your body. So how do you make those decisions when you're either choosing what to cook or choosing what to eat or picking a recipe, going shopping? How do you how do you decide uh, what's healthy and what's not? And, and how to balance the, the flavor benefits that you might get from something that's a little less healthy with uh, the health benefits. I feel like where the origin of the food is, because um, if, a f- like, where it comes from, like, okay, if the food's more organic, then it will say it was organic, so I would pick that than a, a food that has, like, stuff, it's, like, stuff with hormones and stuff like that. Like, you know if it's not healthy, and, like, like okay, in the Bronx, it's, like, price range you will know um which one is healthy or not because it's like more expensive or like it's more um it has like a better quality than other types of food like the fruits um okay something that's like grown locally i think i feel like it's healthy too like just anything that's like um organic or fresh or you know like um it's grown properly not stuff with hormones and stuff like that um as she said like um, like price range because like you'll see like a whole naked juice like 
four dollars five dollars is and it's a small bottle like and then you see an arizona for a dollar or a nutty for not a nutty but like it's a tropical fantasy soda we call it nutty uh, like it's 50 cents like and it's a soda like that's how you know and it, it's known for giving kidney stones and stuff like that so like it's like you know that you're supposed to eat something that's more five dollars but why would i get something it's like why would i go get something that's like very expensive if i could have something that could just make me full right there and why like, do you think that is how do you explain the the huge price difference i feel like it's because it's like we know you're an urban city you know we're full of people full of poor people so like they know that we know that you need this but it needs something dealing with business because at the end of the day everything has to deal with business so like I wish sometimes that we have stuff that's affordable around my community because, like, same thing with me. Like, I'm in a, I'm in a place full of people that doesn't have access to a lot of stuff, a lot of homeless people, a lot of everything. So, like, it's going to be hard for us to get something that we know is good for our body, but it's affordable. So it's like nobody got time to spend $30 on something like four, four vegetables. I'd rather spend, like, I'd rather spend $5 on a whole um, bacon, egg, and cheese and and a honey bun and a, and a soda in the store and just go about my day. And me and my sisters always had to wait to, like, the produce turn into a dollar. They put in, a, like, a wrap because it's getting spoiled. We have to always wait for that. And then we're like, yeah, it's good enough because it's a dollar now and it's still healthy, but it's not really healthy because it's getting bad already. So, like, yeah. So what's, is there is there a solution? If, if you had the power to snap your fingers and, and, solve that problem how would you how would you solve that problem right first i feel like since since you said that like maybe if i had a superpower just to snap his fingers <laughs> make sure make it basically making sure that maybe junk food tastes the same but like junk food's tasting the same but it's healthy stuff in it not chemical based or not made in a certain way so like it's like if i had a snap a finger and like potatoes like the way they make french fries the which will be changed different. Then maybe maybe they could make wedges and with um, breadcrumbs and stuff. Cause that one tastes better. Me personally, I feel like that tastes better than regular fries. Well, McDonald's fries are good, but like like breadcrumbs, like regular origin fries that you make is better than like food that that you just get for just right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like if it's more affordable, then people will buy. Cause if it's not affor- affordable, then nobody's gonna buy. Like, I feel like if you want people to change, like, um, they eating habits, they have to like make it into their price range. Not like five dollars for a pack, a pack of carrots. Like, even in my supermarket, they have um carrots for us um a dollar twenty nine. It's the dough. I think it's the dough carrots for a dollar twenty nine, and the other carrots are like for three twenty nine. So. When I go to supermarket to buy um, vegetables, I, I, I'd rather buy the $1.29 carrots than buy the whole $3 because it's like, oh, I'm wasting money. Like, just if you make everything like the same price range or something like that, then it's like, oh, um, I'll pick this because it's more healthy or I'll pick this because it's more affordable and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your your future, your career aspirations. Um, do you want to work in food? Do you want to cook professionally or is this going to continue to be a hobby? Uh, where do you where do you uh, where do you want to be in in five or ten years? I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be a food a food critic. Like, Excellent. Like that's the first thing I wanted to do. Like, what did you think of the pizza we had for lunch? Oh, it was really good. <laughs> I actually, like, like I, especially that what's the name? The one with the green leaves. The p- the pea shoot pizza we had yeah. lunch at Roberta's, yeah. which does a great pea shoot and and yogurt, a lot of pizza. Yeah, it really tastes dumb. really. I said them good, really good. Like it, it, it like it was. I didn't expect that because I was looking at it for like a few, like five, ten minutes, like the past 30 minutes when we was talking. And I was like, oh, I should, I don't know if I should try that yet. Like, But then I tried it and I actually liked it. Like, I was surprised. So, like, at first I wanted to be, like, as I was saying, at first I wanted to be a food critic. But then after that, I looked in more into technology. But I don't know, like, as a teenager, like, you, your, your mind is always changing around. So you never know what, it, and doing this, I also may realize technology might not actually be for me. Like, yes, I love technology, but maybe I could work with something dealing with, like, fashion or dealing with food, fashion, and technology. So making a new field. So I'm, like, my head, like, I'm heading towards there. Like, that's what I'm seeing so far. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I'm still uncertain because, like, as Halima said, when I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor or a dentist, but then when I grew up, I was like, oh, like, do I really want to do that, like, for eight years just in college? I'm like, like, I want something that's, like, it's right there and done. 
Um, and then when I grew up, I started watching um, Criminal Minds and stuff like that. I was like, oh, maybe I want to be an FBI or I want to be this. But then I like I like that. Oh, like what you have to do? I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is like really too much. So then um, as of right now, like the only reason, the reason why I started in like in the cooking field was because um, first it was like given to me as a job, and second it was like oh like I can make a change with this, and it's like I want I want something that like I could make a change and like. I could be, um, I could be say, oh, like I was the first, like to do this and stuff like that. Like I want to, yeah, I just want to be like a change maker. Yeah, and especially working in Sylvia Center, like we, we ended up having more opportunities. Like yeah, I, like, opportunities. like a lot of jobs, a lot of interviews, and everything. So like it's like we already working on our future. So like, like I appreciate Sylvia Center for that. Like I feel like without Me them, too. they get without them. I feel like I wouldn't have done a lot of stuff that, like, I wouldn't have matured. I wouldn't have realized that, like, yeah, it's time for growing up. It's time for you to think about it. Because I would have been still thinking about, yeah, I'm still doing technology, but I don't want to be in a field that I actually don't want to do. So, like, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're going to start to wrap up the show. But as uh, before we do, we're going to do our, our rapid fire question segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you ready? I prepped you a little bit, but not a whole <laughs> yeah. lot. So, yeah, uh Let's start with the the superpower question. If you could, if you woke up tomorrow with a superpower, what would it be? Oh, it's to be, it's to fly, it's to fly <laughs> or to or teleport. Cause me, I'm late to everything, even today. Like I was like, oh, okay, like, but to fly to teleport, that would be the best thing ever. You think if, if you could fly places, you wouldn't be late? Yeah, I wouldn't be late. For a fact. So it's, it's really it's just about the practical benefits of flying. You're not interested in like the fun of flying. It's yeah, I'll be <laughs> yes, because you could make fun of people, like, and they wouldn't have to catch you because <laughs> you could just fly away. You could just fly away. <laughs> That's it. Um, I would like to remind and to teleport because when I'm walking home, two superpowers. <laughs> no, when I'm walking home, um, and I have food in my hand, like I'm rushing to get home, but I know I can't get any faster. I just want to teleport and just get home and eat the food. And then I would like to read because it's like, oh, like, I want to know what you're thinking. And it's like, not to be nosy, but it's just like, I just want to know what you're thinking. Like, I just want to know. How would, how would you live your life differently if you knew what people were thinking? Um, I know, like, if you're beneficial, then, like, um, I'll stay close to you. But if you're not really beneficial, it's like, oh, nah, I just stay away from you. I know what you're thinking. It's like, just move on. Do you need to read minds to be able to do that? People are usually pretty No, no, you can tell. You, <laughs> you can, can tell. Read people. Yeah. You can tell. Raquel, how about you? I think I would not... I would want to not need sleep. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Just have all the hours in the day to do. Oh no, lots I need of great my sleep. Things. Sleep is the best part of the day. <laughs> yeah. I need my sleep. Um, what is the the best meal you've ever eaten? Oof. I think it's. <laughs> or oh, if what? you can't think of a single meal, it could also be like your favorite your favorite thing to eat, your favorite dish that. Someone um, in your family makes. We went to a trip to I think best quality no quality meats. Quality, oh, quality meats, meats, and they gave us a, some type of bread, and it, it tasted really really good. Like I kept on eating it, and it was like it's healthy, but it's like it tasted really really good. And I wanted more. I went, like I want the recipe into, uh, for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that recipe. What like, was it? It's like a certain bread. Like it. Like I don't know how to describe it. It was like in a bowl, and it was like it was like it golden like, brown. It had like fresh herbs on top, and like. I didn't even want the chicken that they gave us. Like, I just wanted the, the bread. bread. And every single time I see Samantha, I'm like, oh, by the way, did you ask Chef Antonio if he if he had, if he he had still has the recipe? Like, that's my first question I always ask her. Like, because, like, the bread was really good. But, like... Chef Antonio and Chef Craig at Quality Meats hosted yeah. some of our teens, and they learned so much about how a restaurant menu is made and all of those things. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get the recipe. Yeah, I'm considering making my <laughs> restaurant that's it. Because they use, like... The best thing about learning that is like you could use a certain low price just to make a high quality meal and like make good money. So like it's not only about the food, it's like the pricing, the business, everything in one. Like it's like that's something I consider, but it's a lot of work too, so like Yeah, running a restaurant. <laughs> a lot of um if you could uh oh wait, Raquel, what was your best meal you've ever had? The best meal. Um I've had a lot of really good meals. Yeah. I think uh, it's hard <laughs> yeah. to choose, right? Yeah. I think just one of my favorite meals in general is is tag teaming at home with my husband and just cooking curry on like a Sunday. That's the best. <laughs> what's what's your uh, approach to cooking curry? Um, well, he takes the lead and uh, mixes his own mixture of spices first and sautés that in the ghee and then 
we add in whatever ingredients we want after that. Nice. Um, if you could travel to any country in the world, what would it be? Where would you go? A lot of countries. A lot of countries. Um, um, to my home country, um, to Ga- um, the Gambia, um, to Paris, to see the Eiffel Tower, um, to Ireland, to a lot of countries, Greece. Yeah. yeah, I think the first place I felt like I really, really wanted to visit was Greece. Like why, a lot why of Greece. Why are you both interested in Greece? It's like I, I have a teacher yeah. in Seven uh, and okay. she talks a lot about Greece, and it's like, oh wow, like it's been interesting. And I've seen so many videos. Like it's like it's like Greece is like a beautiful country. So like it's like I wanted to travel there. Like I wanted. To, I know that's the main goal for me. I'm even thinking about it maybe after high school, but like yeah. Greece. I know a lot of places in Europe, like Greece, Rome, um, like France, because my cousins live there. I need to visit them. Um, I know I travel. I wanted to travel to Reunion Island when I first heard about it, because it's not a known island that much. But like, it's like if it's not known, then it's perfect for me, because I don't <laughs> like people anyways that much. So like, so yeah. go hide in an island Just in the middle of the ocean, and, and never, yeah. nobody's gonna find you. Nobody's gonna yeah. find me. That's it. I would say Japan. I think that's next on my list. Nice. Um, how do you how do you like your eggs? Scrambled, over easy, runny. Scrambled. Scrambled with a lot of cheese. Yeah, with a lot of cheese. Like, if it's not scrambled, it's either either sunny side up or scrambled. That's it. I like a runny poached egg. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you all for joining me here today. You're um, Raquel, you. can you tell us a little bit about how people can can learn more about the Sylvia Center or maybe donate if they feel so inclined? Yeah, definitely. We um, You can visit our website at sylviacenter.org. We work here in New York City and also upstate in Columbia County. So if you're interested in supporting the work here in New York City, you can learn more on our website and upstate we are having a farm dinner at Katchke Farm on July 14th so you can learn more about that um, by going to fttdinner.com and uh, this is Why Food with Heritage Radio Network oh yeah don't oh, forget yeah. to follow the, the Sylvia Center Instagram it's so, the, thank you very much the Sylvia Center right yeah. Sylvia Center yeah Sylvia just Sylvia Center, Center. <laughs> just, just make sure you follow Thanks. And uh, this is Why Food. You can contact us at, at Why Food at Heritage Radio Network.org or at Why Food on Instagram or, uh, or social media. Um, my name is Ethan Frisch. You can follow me via my spice company, Burlap and Barrel, at Burlap and Barrel. And thanks to our sound engineers, Vitor Hirsch and David Tatashore, and our theme song, which is Blind by the Red Crickets. Thanks, and uh, join us again next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Well, that's history of mine.